Hey everyone, thanks for coming and joining me for this episode. Before we dive into talking with John Berg about motivation, if you're struggling with your workload, if you're working too hard, you're finding that it's pulling you away from life outside of school, then I want to give you a free copy of my book, Work Less, Teach More. It's all about how to be an effective teacher, so doing all the things that matter as a teacher, but also living a life that you love. You can go and grab your free copy by going to teacherspd.net slash free and then WLTM for Work Less, Teach More. I just asked you to cover postage and handling for that book, uh, but you can get that there. Today, though, we're going to be talking to Don Berg. He is a researcher. He's a uh, expert in motivation psychology. He's been working with educators around the world, helping them to create environments that motivate the students to learn. Uh, it is a fantastic chat. I, I can't wait to dive into this with you. But uh, yeah, make sure that you pay attention to the three key underlying things that students need throughout this interview to help them to be motivated in your classroom to learn the things that you need them to learn, that your state is telling you you've got to teach them. Uh, this, is a, this is a great interview, and I think very beneficial for everyone. Well, Don, I want to thank you so much for coming and joining me today. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about motivation. Can you just start, though, by telling the listeners a little bit about who you are? I've got an idea that you do research in psychology and motivation and you've been working with educators a fair bit over the last while. But yeah, tell us what you do and how it all started. Yeah, so um, I I actually started in an unusual way because my work with children started actually with homeschooling other people's kids. So it was really all times. This is back in the 90s. And so what I did was just really community-based. It was very different from a traditional classroom, although I grew up in the public schools doing regular classroom stuff. Uh, when I discovered my passion for working with children, I realized that for me personally, just jumping to the other side of the teacher's desk, you know, going from the student side to the teacher side, just wasn't going to make it that great a, a, a better experience. Now, that's not to say I was very successful in school. So I went to an elite school, you know, elite college and, and stuff like that. So I was very successful in school. I just didn't, uh, wasn't well served by it. And so when I did this other thing, homeschooling other people's kids, it was like, okay, that there's something going on there. And then I had a, a flash forward years. I, I didn't work out a sustainable business model back in the 90s. It'd be a lot easier now with the internet. But I did something and then I discovered there's all these other schools that do this thing. And I realized, oh, there's something going on there. But these things look so radically different that almost all the teachers I've ever talked to uh, who are in the mainstream, and then I talk to them and they discover about this stuff, they're like, oh, I can't do that. And I realized that there has to be something that they can learn from that. And so that's where I you know, go, went back, finished my degree in psychology about 10 years ago. And so uh, that's what I've been doing since, is how can we bridge the gap between these schools that are radically different and the schools that are serving most of the kids <laughs> and and motivation is a key because the science there is very clear and so they have a clear model of what it takes to ha help kids get engaged with their learning and and what they're doing and it doesn't mean you have to look radically different it can be a normal kind of classroom but you do have to pay attention to the way the psychology works and the way motivation actually works because there's a consistent pattern in the mainstream schools in declines in both motivation and engagement. So I think that's that's the problem I'm really addressing is how do we get that motivation and engagement to where it's being maintained instead of dropping off? Well, do tell us, Don, it's, as a teacher, I know when I talk to other teachers, they all have very similar questions. How do I motivate my students? And not just motivate them to learn in general. I think 
every right, teacher right. can see that t- kids have this general motivation to learn something. Yeah. Uh, you know, they love, you know, it might, they're into gaming, so they, they do a lot of gaming and they learn lots of stuff about their gaming. But as a teacher, I've got a state curriculum or a national mm-hmm. curriculum that I have to teach and that I've got to try and motivate the students to learn that. Uh, right, so right. Uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to hear from you that I've used the wrong words for how do I because <laughs> uh, we've been chatting before this already. But as a teacher, like that's what teachers are going to ask. How do I motivate my students yeah. in my classroom to learn what I have to actually get them to learn? And, and that's where the science is really important because there is a little bit of a challenge in the way that it's usually phrased. If you say, I'm going to motivate my students. And what the science finds is like, no, you don't. That's That's an illusion. You're doing stuff. And some kids respond to that and, and suddenly are more motivated than they were before. And so you take credit for it and saying, I motivated them. But what really happened is that you tapped in, you created an environment where they could actually utilize and take advantage of motivations they already had. They're already motivated. And we know what motivates them. <laughs> and it's their how well their needs psychological needs are being supported. Now, most people think, you know, you should think if you're thinking needs, you're thinking about those standards, kind of air, water, food, uh, shelter, you know, those four, food, water, sleep, and shelter, you die if you don't get those met, okay? Now, sleep is a a need too, but you don't die from a lack of sleep. There may be dysfunctions that will result and then you'll die, you know, from those things. But the lack of sleep itself does not kill you, but it does increase your anxiety, your depression, and your psychological distress. So there happens to be three other things that have been discovered that also produce those increases in anxiety, depression, and distress. And that's the needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So when you want to motivate your students, what you actually mean is I want to create an environment in which my students have the satisfaction of those psychological needs happening. And so you do you do get to do stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not like you just sort of stand back and they suddenly magically are doing great things. What you're doing is you're structuring an environment. You're providing opportunities for them to act on the motivations they already have. So that's that's the key thing. And and there's there's um, really interesting uh, research on this. It's they call them motivational styles. Like you've heard of parenting styles, right? Yep. Well, motivational styles are there. There's two main kind of categories, the autonomy, supportive or controlling. And and so what you want is the more autonomy, supportive, not the controlling one. <laughs> and the difference is not a structure versus lack of structure. Some people like back in the 70s, I, I think even in Australia, you had it. But there was this whole in America, it was called the free school movement. And they they literally talked about throwing out structure and almost all those schools, which are are, I'm fans of schools like that. But most of them ceased to exist. They 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 went away because they were not effective and they, you know, self-destroyed because what they were doing was they were were not providing enough structure to support the kids. So the ones that have survived and these are things like I don't know if you've heard of Summerhill School in the UK Sudbury Valley School here in the United States. There's there's some schools that are relatively famous, like Sud, uh, Summerhill's famous because the founder wrote a best-selling, globally best-selling book back in the 60s. Uh, so in the 60s and 70s, it's very big, called Summerhill. But they what they found was they found ways to structure the environment so that those needs were supported and the kids were actually doing, you know, learning stuff and being really 
motivated to learn more. Now, instead of providing academic structure, what they provided was social structure. Now, they, and that's why they look radically different is because they're focused on that social structure. What you're talking about is you've got teachers who you have to have some academic structure in your environment. That's just how it has to be. There's no problem with that from a psychological point of view. Just do it in a way that supports those needs. And that's the key there is you, what you're going to do is, okay, how do I, you know, help them make more decisions about what they're doing, why they're doing it? That's autonomy support. How am I making relation, building relationships where they feel like I belong here and, and what my opinion matters and, and who I am shows up? And then am I building confidence? And, and one thing to know about these needs is that they are perceptions, not circumstances. So it's each kid, and this is the challenge, is you got 30 kids or something, and, and they all have you know variations on these needs. Now, they all have the needs. That's what's clear. But how it actually shows up is the challenge that you face. And you because you're having to do a particular curriculum, that's even more challenging. So then the challenge is, okay, where can I really dig in on this? And of course, I, I think most teachers already know you have to start with relatedness. You know, you just have to start with those relationships. You have to figure out how are we going to get to know each other because you can't do the job unless you get to know the students, you know, get to start to feel out how do they respond to various things and you have to try things <laughs> and and sometimes you're going to fail but that but that's the key is get in always you know my always recommendation for people is start with relatedness build relationship figure out who they are and how they are in the world and then you can start to see the opportunities for supporting the other needs it's like oh this kid really loves it when when they have a clear set of instructions and they want to do and this other kid he's like just point him in the direction. Don't don't tell him exactly what to do. Just point him in the direction and he'll go. You know, and, and that's a difference. It's a valid difference. But you have to figure out, okay, when do I give clear direction? When do I give a lot of direction? And when do I, you know, back off a little bit? And then, Don, does this actually help reverse stuff? Like, I'm a high school teacher by trade. Mm. So often by the time the kids come to me, schooling is generally quite demotivating for at least yeah. a chunk of them not not all of them uh, yeah. but definitely yeah. there's a chunk that just come they come in my classroom they sit at the back and they go i hate school i'm not doing anything at school uh because they've kind of been taught in one way yeah, absolutely uh, shown, and shown in other ways that they're dumb that they're um right. that this is where they go they're going to go and work some kind of job afterwards they're not interested in going to uni all that kind of stuff right right uh, is this going to help them as well? If I start to develop my relationship with those students, is it actually going to help them to shift their motivation to wanting to do well at school or are they just going to keep their motivation and I'm going to go out on the weekends and uh, right, go right, get right. sometime as soon, as soon as I can? Yeah, you, you point to a very important challenge there. And that is, uh, so, so my book that recently came out uh, is called Schooling for Holistic Equity, How to Manage the Hidden Curriculum for K-12. And what you're pointing to is by high school, that hidden curriculum has shaped their behavior over many years in a very consistent way. And so that's a big challenge. And the answer to your question, though, is yes, this helps. Now, it would be even more helpful if more of the teachers in their lives were actually informed about this and were, were, were aiming towards it. Um, so that's part of the challenge, too, is when you have 50 minutes. I don't know what your your standard class period length is, but in the US it's like 50 minutes, you know, and you have six classes a day and you know it's it's kind of nuts. If you have a very small amount of time with them, you have a limited opportunity to really make much of a difference. So just, just 
first of all, I believe in realism. <laughs> you know, like, let's be realistic. You're not going to turn every kid around if you're the only one in their life who's actually tuned into how to meet their psychological needs. But if you can, you know, if as a staff, you can start to bring together the opportunity to say, hey, this is what I'm learning about this. Look, the, all these kids have these needs and there's some really clear science based evidence about how this actually works. Um, then you can start to to make a difference. But absolutely, this is, and, and in fact, if you look at things like um, uh, in the uh, trauma informed schooling or or, or even some of the, you know, the programs that are looking at the high, you know, high achievers or, or, or the, the, we call it um, uh, accelerated classes and things like that, kids at the high end, um, they all are doing basically the same thing, which is these need support. They don't call it that, this most of the time, but what they're doing is actually better supporting those needs. Um, the, one of the teachers I was uh, talking to just yesterday uh, is a special ed, or not special ed, it's in, in the U.S. they call alternatives. So the kids who are usually failing out have usually dropped out already, and then they have this special school for them. And most of what they do is the reason they're effective is because they do better job of building relationship, supporting their competence, giving them the the, the kind of a better way to land as a person into the school environment. So they're all doing this already with some branded version of it. They say, oh, this is trauma supportive or trauma sensitive or or accelerated or whatever name they're going to put on it. But it comes down to they're doing these things first. And then they're figuring out how to put that academic structure in addition to that. Because um, kids are smart. Even when they're not fitting in, they're smart. And they know that, oh, I need to be doing some things to be successful in life. Um, and so they will, when they have an environment that's supportive, they can start to change that attitude exactly as you said. And start to say, oh, wait a minute, if I can learn this, then I'll actually be, you know, have a better chance later on and, and ha you know, develop better skills and, and ways of being in the world. So, so, yeah, it is something that can turn it around, but be realistic and recognize that unless it becomes systemic, unless it becomes school wide, the idea of turning any given kid around is become, you know, is harder. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. It's single teachers, there's so many fantastic schools single teachers in schools it's very difficult to find fantastic schools where it's across the whole the whole board uh with this exactly. kind of approach so you've got these three things of so relatedness autonomy and competence uh, as a teacher i look at that and go that's kind of generally what we do quite frequently like with my right. students they come in i want to get to know them first I actually quite often we'll do uh interviews with them and they'll make mm -hmm. little videos about themselves and what they're interested in and that kind of stuff so that i get to know them and then i'm going to uh, adapt things. I also like to empower my students and give them their you know, voice and choices often yep, what's yep. used in classrooms, you know, uh, and I see that connected with the, the autonomy side of things, uh, allowing them as much as you can within your curriculum. Yep. I know that there are things dictated by curriculum that you can't change, uh, but there are often things that you can let kids choose in relation to their learning. And then that competency is really what we're aiming for as teachers is right, for them right. to become competent. Uh, but also I find you know, within that competency element, uh, connecting things into that zone of proximal development is yeah. also linked to that, to actually go, I'm not going to take the students so far beyond what their capabilities are that it suddenly is demotivating for them. That, exactly. that they look at it and go, I can't possibly do that, even if mm -hmm. they did want to. Uh, <laughs> and so can you just talk a little bit for me about how these three things kind of interrelate with what we're doing in the classroom as teachers? Right. So, so one of the things, important things to recognize about competence in particular is what I just said about it being a perception rather than a circumstance. So, so when you as a teacher are creating that environment and, and you nailed it, 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 is 
what is that zone of proximal development and how do I push them kind of to to the the learning edge of that uh, and and so and and that's where uh, there there was some interesting research done that said basically um, once you have some level of relatedness then relatedness doesn't contribute more to the long-term outcomes. You need to get to a level of relatedness where they're feeling comfortable, they trust you. And then you really have to focus on those autonomy and competence bits where autonomy is, is a really, the, the better way to say it is, is if you provide the right environment, they will find their zone of proximal development and the learning edge of it. So that's where the autonomy piece really is is strong. Is like okay, if they can adjust their behavior according to the level of challenge that they need, that's a lot better and easier <laughs> in in the long run for their learning. So that's where you know they need to really be able to strive in that competence arena. And what you're doing is structuring an environment that gives them the feedback they need to do that well. So that's where, and this is an important piece, is that we can we talk about the needs a lot, but what's often neglected is that structure piece. Um, in fact, there was a uh, one of the published papers of a while back was structure versus autonomy, and then the subtitle was like it's not it's structure and autonomy. They are not opposite; they're actually very supportive together. So you have to figure out how in the in the you have you have basically three components of any given lesson. You have to introduce the activity. You have to have some form of guidance during the activity, and then you have to have feedback about it, kind of the reflective piece afterwards. And so you need structure in each of those elements in order to really maximize their opportunity to delve in and find that level of challenge that really gets to their learning edge. But that's that's where a skillful instructor is really amazing. And I'm not a trained instructor, so I have no idea how y'all do it. Um, <laughs> But I'm trained in the psychology, and I know that when you hit it, when you hit that right level of structure, then 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 you start to see the bounds, and and that's where they can start to really take it on themselves, and they can see, oh, I get the feedback. One instructor was telling me how, you know, making sure that all of the the assignments and things have very transparent feedback about, like, okay, here's what we're expecting. Here here's like, you know, in, in the U.S., uh, there's a uh, they have rubrics, you know, and they'll have a description of each. I'm sure you're familiar with rubrics. Yeah, we um, criteria generally in Australia. Yeah, criteria same. exactly. Yeah. Is is you have have ways of understanding? Okay, what what a not skillful performance looks like, and what does a skillful performance look like? Where's where those hit? You know, and so when they have that kind of matrix that they can reflect against and say, oh, okay, then they can actually start to see where do I need to grow. And then part of what your job is as an instructor is one setting up that environment so there's a structure that provides that feedback, but then also being that coach that is saying, hey, you know, where are you at? Where are you going? What's your goal? You know, what, you know, and 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 pointing to this outside world, maybe national standards or what I don't know what structure you have in place, but say, here, here's what we together, you and me, have to figure out how you're going to achieve that, whatever that is. And I think that's a valuable piece too, is is recognize that, you know, I was talking to a teacher uh, yesterday who was saying, you know, there's a particular assessment that he has to give. He doesn't have any choice about it. He doesn't believe in it. He doesn't even think it's a valuable assessment, but the state requires it. So for him to take the side of the student and say, we're going to, we're, we have to do this. We together will do something about this, but 
do do me the favor of putting some effort into it because what had happened is this particular student had uh, uh, not tried on the first one and ended up in a much lower group uh you know like much level lower level of support than he he should have had and so by getting him recruiting him you know building that relationship and getting together with him and saying hey you know let's deal with that to get you the support you need you know you're smarter than this <laughs> so let give it some effort the kid did ended up in a better you know in a much better learning environment for him so so that's one of the ways you know really when you have requirements from the outside you know be honest about it you know this is this is on us we have to do it let's you know figure out how we're going to do it um but that's going to come from you know them identifying with you as someone on their side starts with that relationship you know that trust that you built at the beginning so so that's important too <laughs> all right don so just for my listeners who are in their cars on their way to work or something today what can they do this week that would be relatively easy to help create that environment that uh, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the students to be motivated to do the learning that they want them to do yeah and it's always hard to answer this question because there's so many different environments that you're in you as a listener are in right now in a situation that i can't imagine i mean i can imagine some elements of it because we're talking about classrooms but really when you talk about the array of kids in front of you it's really hard to say okay that but as i've said before and relatedness start with the relationship if you're challenged with a student Start with relatedness and then figure out, kind of feel out where are we at? You know, am, is there a trust issue here? And, and I need to address that. that. That would be a good place to start. And but you can also find out, you know, OK, it's not really about relatedness. We, we really are on the same page together now. You know, then then I would go to the autonomy piece myself um, <clears throat> and say, OK, where in the situation can we do something more? A lot of times, like like when you're, you know, you, I, you, you mentioned where you've probably got a few weeks into classes now, you probably start to build relationship. So then where can you really give that rationales for the things you just have to do? Like, like not just making kids do stuff, but saying, hey, here's why we have to do the stuff we do. Acknowledging their perspective, because sometimes it's just they have a perspective that that is not convenient for you. <laughs> you know, like the, they're they're coming back at you with stuff and you're like, ah, you know. But then to acknowledge that, that's an important part of autonomy support is acknowledge the the frustrations they may have or that there's something going on. Acknowledge your own like, hey, I I need to, you know, I came at this a little different. Let's let's rebuild on this and say, what do you need? You know, what what tell me more about what what why you're doing what you're doing, or you know, it depends on the level. Uh yeah, at, at high school you can probably say, you know, what's going on? What you know, what do you what, tell me about what's what's going on for you? Uh, younger ages, you probably need a little more circumstance, just, you know, reflect a little easier, but making sure you you listen to and respond to the students, you know, like hear what they're saying, hear what, what's going on for them. And, and that'll help move you forward in some way. And I'm sure you can creatively, you know, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, thank you so much for sharing some of your expertise and wisdom. I'm going to say from my perspective, it actually was giving me a lot of uh, reassurance and understanding about why some things work. Like mm, mm-hmm. there's lots of uh, really good information around about, you know, what is effective teaching right. practice in the classroom, but you're now explaining the psychology behind why that kind of is, is working for our students because we are getting to know them a lot. Teachers know that, you know, you need to know your students well for differentiation and all that kind of yep, stuff. Yep, exactly. But you also need to empower them. Uh, you need to give them that kind of autonomy in their learning uh, because you are 
looking for competency and like you want the students to actually learn and be successful you don't want to be teaching something and have kids fail uh that's never a teacher's goal generally and if it is your goal as a teacher then leave uh right right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly be there. so <laughs> Just thank you so much for coming and, and sharing that information. I think uh, yeah, the listeners will get plenty out of that and be able to uh, go and utilize the the understanding of psychology that in, influence uh, yeah. their what and, they do. And, as well. Yeah. The, the, so so the other thing is is uh, my website has I have a ton of videos uh, that really go into almost every video is going to talk about the, the the needs and the psychology behind it. So that's holisticequity.org. I have a ton of information that goes into it. And, and, and if you, I'm easy to contact on my website, just hit the contact, you know, and, and send me an email. I can send you resources too, if, if you want more, because I'm uh, preparing a, a, a support piece that's called instant climate. So, you know, giving teachers the tool to really measure how well am I doing on supporting those needs and how well are the students actually being sat- having those needs satisfied. So, that's something that's coming up that I'm going to be debuting soon. <laughs> Beautiful. I was about to ask you where, where can people go and contact you and find you. So that, that's fantastic. Make sure you you go there. Just say it one more time because it's you know, they're going to forget. Yeah. Holisticequity.org. Good. Holisticequity.org. Thanks again, Don. It was an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you.